0: Hey, Rockheads. This is Music Decode by Track Twelve. Check this out. Oh, yeah, just what you need to get in the zone when you write code. And get this, we just added a site license. Download it once, share it with everybody in your office. Check it out at music2codeby.net.
1: Dotnet Rocks, episode 1323, with guest Sean Wildermuth. Recorded Thursday, June 30th, 2016.
0: Welcome back to Dotnet Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Here we are again. Sean Wildermuth is here. It should be a great show.
1: Uh, I, I'm really loving these shows that we're recording after NBC when your voice is back. Cause like the next show after this one, you don't have a voice again.
0: Can I, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's funny. Can I tell you how great it is to be able to play a gig and actually sing? Yeah, that must have been
1: really hard on you.
0: I was amazed you were even
1: doing that, that you would go up and just play guitar. That's brutal, dude. Well,
0: I had a, this is a funny story. So Jay and Amy both took over my songs and they were great, by the way. Unbelievable. I, I'm really appreciative. And I could sing a few backup things. That was okay, but you know, really pushing mm-hmm. it was hard. And I had a, I have a pedal. Okay. <laughs> And this pedal, pedal. yeah, this foot pedal, I plug my mic into it and then the mic runs out of it into the mixer board and it does a bunch of things. And usually I keep it on this doubler effect so that, you know, when I'm singing backups and we all have them in the band, when we're singing backup vocals, it makes a nice thick sound when you got like three harmonies doing backups, but it also has an octave feature. So it'll bump your voice up an octave. (laughs) <laughs> How auto tune Yeah, it's sort of It's just a little bit of a delay But you don't really notice it And, and it, it doesn't do the auto-tune thing Like it doesn't make it sound like a synth It just raises it an octave And you can mix the original Your original s- signal with the process signal So I turned it all the way to process And I did my harmonies an octave lower Which I could sing Nice Isn't that That's crazy? Cool. That's very clever Technology to the rescue Of course I would never sing a song like that unless it was like Smokey Robinson or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was fun. But I got through it. And I'm very happy. And you're feeling my- better. Yes, much better. And that's a good thing. All right. Better know framework. You better. All right, buddy. What better I know? Yeah, whatever. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> did i say that sideways i think i said that sideways that was definitely sideways you know <laughs> i love airbnb yeah me too and when you think of airbnb you think of data visualization don't you really because airbnb is all really ab- d- what uh huh no <laughs> what, what? <laughs> yeah airbnb has a project called caravel That is on GitHub, currently free. We don't know what's going to happen. And it's data visualization. Caravelle's main goal is to make it easy to slice, dice, and visualize data. It empowers users to perform analytics at the speed of thought. And some of the features, a quick way to intuitively visualize data sets by allowing users to create and share interactive dashboards. Last time I checked, some of those duckboards and things like that were really expensive. Uh, a rich set of visualizations to analyze your data, as well as a flexible way to extend the capabilities. Uh, an extensible, high granularity security model allowing intricate rules on who can access which features, and integration with major authentication providers, uh, including databases, OpenID, LDAP, OAuth, and remote underscore user through Flask App Builder. A simple semantic layer allowing to control how data sources are displayed in the UI by defining which fields show up in which drop down and which aggregation and function uh, or metrics are made available to the user. And finally, deep integration with Druid allows for Caravel to stay blazing fast while slicing and dicing large real-time data sets. And Druid Interesting. Yeah, Druid is an open source analytics data store. Designed for business intelligence or OLAP queries on event data. And low latency, real-time data ingestion, flexible data exploration, fast data aggregation. Uh, So there you go. So it's an open source data visualization dashboard tool.
1: Is it interesting when these, you know, I don't even call them startup companies, but these like very web 2.0 type companies – Start releasing tools that they're using internally as open source projects. I mean, React from Facebook, for that matter.
0: I remember when Airbnb was a startup. Now they're the most profitable property management company in the world. (laughs) They are. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny, isn't it? It's crazy. Property management, not the right term, but I think. Yeah, but that kind of thing. Yeah, but that uh, hospitality, I think is the word. Right. Anyway, there it is, Caravelle. It used to be called uh what was it? Panoramics. And so there's a do- a demo video there and it's all about Panoramics, but it- they just changed the name to Caravelle. That was a little confusing, but it but it's pretty okay. cool. I like it. I'm going to try it.
1: That's very interesting. Who's talking to us, my friend? Grab a comment on top of show 1174, the one we did with Sean Wildermuth when he was freshly back from the road with a broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we just taunted him the whole time. I hope we were nicer than that.
0: I don't know. A man. little bit, a little bit nicer.
1: But and that's about a year ago now. So uh, and this is a comment from Kujua who says, "I love your show and listen on a regular basis, but sometimes a show hits home, and this is one of them because mm. we kind of went off the beaten path with that show. It was as much about travel and lives and things as yep. it was about you know technology." All too often, we are deep into our environment and the IT world and forgetting about the real world around us. Sean hit the nail on the head, reminding us all that, despite the fact that we love what we are doing, there is more to life than Mm. software development. I don't know. That seems like crazy (laughs) (laughs) talk. What are you, nuts? (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Uh, and and and, and Cujo goes on to say, I like many others have experienced the weeks from hell, Monday to Friday, working mm. and living development for twelve hours or more per day, falling into a bed with little sleep, eating late and not healthy, swallowing down beers on Saturday to calm down the brain, and sleeping in on Sunday to be quote fit for another week of hell. <laughs> Death marching.
2: Yeah.
1: After 30 years of my programming and development career and 23 of them as a freelancer and contractor, I am lucky enough nowadays to stay most of the year in Kenya with my wife, enjoying sun, morning walks with my dogs, regular meals, and mountain bike rides. Of course, I'm still working on projects, but at my own pace and as successfully as ever. Not everyone can do that, but the younger developer should plan for the years after the first wild time in the career to take the example that Sean and others have shown to just pull the plug for some time without losing contact with their passion. All the best to Sean with his broken arm. I hope it will be healed soon. Is it healed? It is healed. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. This comment was a year old, so it's it should be healed by now, huh?
2: You would hope. Yeah. You would hope.
1: So, Kujua, uh, thank you so much for your comment. A .dotnet Rocks mug is on its way to you all the way to Kenya. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at dot or via any of our social media. We publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug.
0: Kenya? Dude, you're killing me with postage here, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well. Uh, and definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. Even if you're from Kenya, we don't care. We'll read him from anywhere. <laughs> and now let me introduce to the show, back to the show, our good friend Sean Wildermuth. He has been a Microsoft MVP around ASP.NET and IIS since 2002 and is involved with Microsoft as an ASP.NET insider and a client dev insider. You may have taken one of his more than 20 courses for Pluralsight, including building a web app with ASP.NET Core, MVC, EF and Angular, and Bootstrap 3.0. He's also the author of eight books and dozens of articles on software development. He's been speaking at a variety of international conferences, including TechEd, or Dev SDC, VS Live, Dev Intersection, Mix, Dev Teach, Dev Connections, and DevReach. He is also one of the Wilder Minds, and we'll let him explain what that is. Welcome, Sean. Welcome back.
2: Oh, I'm excited to be here, though I feel a little guilty. What? Forgiven well, I- me? Forgiven me? My uh, virus? <laughs> yes, I was the uh, typhoid Mary of of NDC in Belgium. Uh, nice. I remember uh, like being sick the last day there, and I was like, "How many people am I going to infect? Should I go home?" <laughs> <laughs> eh, we don't hold
0: it against you. It happens.
2: <laughs> well, well, well yeah, you know, it's uh, interesting how often there is a
1: conference flu that goes around. Yep, Absolutely. that build. I got something too. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, we lost some uh, shows at NDC because there were a bunch of people got sick and yeah. know, we had to reschedule. Oh, really?
0: And that wasn't my fault. That was not contagious by then. No. Yeah. At least that's what you, the story you're going right. with. Well, I know it's not. I know it's true because I have been in close contact with a bunch of guys in the band and, you know, you know, they none of them got sick, so
2: Sh- Yeah, anyway. you should be good. Yeah, I'm good.
0: You should be good.
2: Uh, anyway, we- what the heck have you been up to lately? Ah, we're Our road trip is finally over. We spent all that time. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we got to speak to a lot of people about ASP.net, record a bunch of my podcasts, mm-hmm. and uh, see the country.
0: See the world,
2: really? Well, yeah. We, we started it off with three, or in the middle was were three cities in Europe. Had never been to Barcelona, which seems crazy since... Mm. Tech Ed was there so many times, but uh, um, got to go back to Paris because my wife decided she needed more perfume. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's okay. what you do. I guess I'm married now, so I have to pa- act like a married guy. Apparently, Paris is the
0: place to get it.
2: Evidently, you can't buy it online or anything. It's only nope. this one little shop. You're absolutely right. <sighs> <laughs> Thank God I love her. Um. And just been working a lot on uh, the ASP.NET net core stuff and uh recently got a, a vibe and, and and thinking a lot about uh maybe doing some VR stuff.
1: I'd love your take on the Vive, man. We've done a couple of shows in that space, but you know, you definitely come at it from a dot net perspective.
2: Yeah. Well I haven't looked at the programming model at all. I I've I've been playing with it just as a consumer and it is the most magical thing. I've huh. ever played with, uh, but though I haven't I gotta played with think that U- it
1: Unity is king though.
2: Yeah, that's my understanding. That's my understanding, you know, and not, you know, the, the, for me, the, the magic of the Vive is the, the sort of room space thing they're doing where you have right. these satellite things and you have, you know, we have like a two meter by two meter space and you can walk around it and like things are in it and it's crazy. It's, uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of profound,
1: like it's, it's, it's almost disturbing how profound it is.
2: It is, it is. And playing a game while actually being active a little, I don't mind it as much as I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> this whole moving around thing, like what's
1: up with that? <sighs>
2: yeah. Yeah. You know, because I, I thought of VR as much more like uh, 3D movies where you're consor- sort of consuming and it's all coming at you, but right. uh, not at all. Not at all. Um, there, your mind does these weird tricks. There's a archery game in that the vibe comes and ships with. And I swear there are moments where I feel like I'm actually pulling the the bow back, even though there's clearly nothing in my hands. Wow. That's <laughs> nice. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about all the auditory clues of the, you know, the squeaking of the bowstring and and all that that it feels it feels weirdly real i'm uh, freaked out by it
0: so i uh, i don't know if you've got a hololens or played with it but there's a game on it called robo raid and uh basically this is the one that they demoed at build where robots blast through your wall and then they fly out all over you you know all over the room and you have to zap them and stuff well I, oh right i basically put this on my 14-year-old daughter the other day. It looks amazing. It it is amazing. (laughs) Wow. That is exactly what it looks like. There's a a hub built into the HoloLens that you connect to with a browser, just with a local IP address. And it shows a real-time video stream that mixes the real video and the holograms. And that's what essentially you saw it build, Was that, I mean, they, I know they had a camera rig and stuff there, but you could easily do it with, with just a a little web browser. And we were, we were watching her blow up all these robots. Of course, she has the limited field of view, but if you're just watching somebody play, you see everything. Yeah, it doesn't look uh,
2: that limited at all.
1: And hey, ASP.NET Core finally shipped.
2: I am so happy it finally shipped. Yeah, we are too. (laughs) The, uh, well,
1: you've been in that battle for a long time because you helped us over at Humanitarian Toolbox going from one of
2: the betas to, I think it was RC1, right? We went from beta 7 to 8 and then 8 to RC1 and then uh, we've skipped RC2. We're about to go to RTM on uh, on the already project. And I, I don't know if I've
1: said this enough, but
2: I need to say it again. Thank you for all your help, buddy. Like, it uh, made no a huge worries. difference to that project. Happy to do it, you know. Working on humanitarian toolbox is one of those things that I just adore, and I was able to uh, on the road show talk a lot about it. We we uh, awesome. try to introduce a bunch of guys to it.
0: And just one more time, what is the Already Project?
1: So already was born out of a combination of things at the same time. We were working with the Red Cross, and they had a need to be able to have a great mobile app and website around getting skilled volunteers into place. Mm. So the example and the thing that we're actually testing these days is smoke detectors. So, you know, companies like Lowe's and Home Depot will donate smoke detectors all day long, but you need a skilled installer, to actually put it in where they need it. So the Red Cross runs campaigns, you know, on social media and and at, you know, stores and things to say, hey, do you need a smoke detector? Let us put one in for you. And then you've got your qualified installers. So Sometimes they're contractors, sometimes they're volunteer firemen. You know, there's lots of different places that qualified installers come from. And there's only so many of those people. You want to use their time efficiently. So the right. sort of key to this whole thing is organizing the GIS data to figure out a track that a group of, that somebody could do in a day and then making sure they're actually successful with as many of their installations as possible in a day. So there's a Cordova client that allows the the volunteer to not only see where they've got to go, but also to notify the home when they're headed that way to say we're on our way, you know, just the way that many cable companies don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then, but, and for us, is simply measuring, how, you know, how successful are we actually getting those installs done? So, they were talking about a 50% success rate. Only half of the homes would actually get it installed because they weren't home or something happened. And we got it up to about an 80% success rate. And so, so did
0: you guys embrace the .NET Core in its alpha and beta states?
1: Well, interesting you should mention that, my friend. Because uh, the way this project actually got kicked off is as part of the Visual Studio 2015 launch. Mm-hmm. So the Microsoft folks got involved, and they actually did a video series and so forth where they wrote the prototype version of Already uh, as part of the launch event. And then it got handed back to the volunteers, to all of the HTBox folks, to mature it. And so that got shown to the Red Cross. They came back with a ton of feedback, as happens every time you show a piece of software to a customer. Sure. And we've been iterating ever since. So wow. uh, a bunch of different events, and but you know the funny thing about open source, you can work on it anywhere at any time, and so people get addicted. Yeah, you know they get hooked on the project. In fact, uh, it's no longer the core HT box team that leads this project anymore. It's James Chambers, who is an MVP out of out of Brandon, Manitoba, mm-hmm. and he uh, encountered already w- during the MVP Summit. We had a codathon. And had a bunch of folks there. Sean was there, yeah. and uh, and James was one of those guys that just sort of you, you know when you find a project leader, like it's absolutely apparent. Yeah, and
0: and <laughs> that's what happened with James. He was uh he he did a whole bunch of work, and and was very unassuming about it. Well, and to this day
1: runs a stand up via Google Hangout every other Saturday. Wow, cool. that's awesome. it's just, It is part of the routine. It's there's a already stand up every other Saturday.
2: And your Slack channel, i found, has helped a bunch of people get, you know, up to speed with ASP.net and contribute. And, you know, it's it's really pretty amazing. Love Slack. And at that humanitarian, at that uh, um, hackathon, my wife did her first pull request ever. Wow. Nice. (laughs) It is one of the funny
1: things about HTBox as a as a method for getting involved with open source, because we have a plan, we have a project, we have work items. There's a little bit less of that. Are you smart enough to come up with a new idea for this project? And a lot more of a, here we have all this code, please help us. And it, some of it's new features, some of it's fixing bugs, some of it's writing tests. So we really need every skill level. There's so much to do. Yeah. So much
2: to do. And what I like about, uh, uh, the project is not only is it doing good, but uh, there's a lot of people out there who are interested in ASP.NET Core and just don't have, you know, the project at work or the home project to do, and they can not only feel good about what they're doing, but they can learn this new thing and be ready when, uh, you know, their their company or their client or whomever decides to go in that direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the interesting challenges about running a volunteer coder uh project is it takes a lot of discipline to keep the work items organized to keep the testing organized so that people c- can feel good about coming in and being able to contribute with a relatively limited amount of time and know they've made a useful contribution and be able to come back out again and you yeah. know, you know go about their lives so i'm very proud of the shape that already in from a from a project perspective it's i feel like it's a good example of what you can do even with a lot of turnover really
0: so, yeah, So what were the ramifications of um, the ongoing changes in .NET Core that you guys had to deal with? Oh, my God. <laughs> you
1: <laughs> did this, man. So please rant a bit because ASP.NET Core went through some huge convulsions for yeah. all have. these versions.
2: They have. It's interesting because uh, uh, I'm – there's a lot of people I talk to who are like, Oh my God, I can't believe they changed X, Y, or Z, or why did they change this? And it's such a pain to convert. Uh, I've got a little bit of per- the perspective that I know we're going to have to live with this, these decisions for about 10 years. So when they've made left turns that are painful, but the right thing to do, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very split, right? Cause part of me is like, I have 13 projects I need to fix this on already, plus all my, personal stuff that I'm, I'm working on with. Yeah. And uh but the other side is like I'm glad we don't have to live with that stupid, you know, <laughs> decision, you know, uh the the old command line stuff, which was one of the things that they heard a lot of people changing these, you know, these handful of com- of command line tools to one called .net. It was like, "Yes, please. Just do it. We'll just whatever it takes. Just please don't make us <laughs> No, it may make me have to explain what DMVM means for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so and w- w- the the thing that's weird right now is that the we've released or we've Microsoft has released ASP.net core, but the tooling is in preview. Preview. Interesting. <laughs> Right, yes, yeah, so the visual studio integration, the project that json might be changing uh there's a bunch of little things that are all about the tools that are still undergoing you know some decent amount of change. It's just the libraries that have been released, and what's uh interesting at least I think is interesting because I've been you know neck deep in this for for a while is that uh the day-to-day work that I do when I'm writing a website or whatever I'm doing hasn't really changed from the old ASP.NET. It's just the platform I'm sitting on is is remarkably new so that I don't have to, you know, when I need to go a little deeper get a little close to the metal, it's not nearly as painful as it used to be.
1: Now, is that because you're already an MVC guy and so it's just not that different?
2: Correct. Absolutely. If you're coming from web forms, you're coming from... No, there's still that, you know, curve to get into MVC, but the MVC story, even the web API story hasn't changed that much. Even the entity framework Hmm. story hasn't changed a ton. Just in many ways, it's, it's better code. But what what would you think there's an
1: advantage to have stayed away from everything that's happened in core so far? So that if you, if you're jumping now from what 4.6 over to core, as an MVC person it should be a pretty clean leap you just have to learn a bit of new syntax
2: um sort of so MVC hasn't changed a lot and even in all these iterations it hasn't there is a benefit okay. for people who co- sort of stayed back so they didn't have to understand how the platform changes are but there's still there's still a curve to learn the new platform there there okay. simply is i i tell this story uh, i've told i told the story on the road trip where I've been using Fritz Onion's book for, you know, 15 years or something because I'd never understood the ASP.NET pipeline and I'd have to go look it up. Oh, I need to do some weird thing in authentication. Where do I plug in the magic code? And then ASP... Never memorize that stuff. You have the
1: correct reflex to cry, You know enough to know there's a pipeline and it will hurt you. Go look it up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that exactly. is the correct
2: answer. <laughs> and now the pipeline is all the code you put in this one method in startup.cs. That's the, right. That's it. Yeah. There's no, there's no more of this weird magic or like, how does the ASAPI filter load in ASP.net and then <laughs> right. load your code? And
0: you
1: know, I can't wait uh, to never think about Isapi ever again. Oh Correct. my God.
0: 1994. Where are you?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I. you know, and I'm, every IIS box out there is still running it.
0: Yeah. I remember absolutely. at Carl and Gary's VB homepage for all the here's going blast from the past. But when there stories. was a, when, when all we had from IIS was CGI, you know, to access Perl scripts and stuff, there was a, you could write an ISAPI filter in C++, but for VB programmers, there was nothing. And then they came out with this wrapper called Ole ISAPI. And that's when our, our website really took off because people wanted to know where it was and how they could find it. And there was no Google at the time we were like a reference link to it. And I remember that was just a huge, huge deal. Okay. Enough, it's, enough, uh, ancient history.
2: Well, I wrote a, I wrote the stupidest ASAPI filter ever for a client, uh, years and years ago where they wanted me to look through their forums and translate every word that they had in a database to whatever language it was supposed to be, and it never, ever... Translation is so much harder than everybody thinks because uh, they thought naively that we could just do word replacement and people mm. in Spain could read it or people in Quebec could read it, and it, none of it was true. None yeah, was because true. every language has the same syntactical structure, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. And at the... <laughs> That is such an English-centric wow.
2: way to think of the world. <laughs> <It is. laughs> yeah. It Make is. the bad man stop. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, so uh, w- I've sort of, uh, as ASP.NET Core has come uh, up, I've tried to sort of embrace the openness of uh, of what Microsoft is, is has changed their mind to. So, my blog is now uh, a completely open-source project, and the libraries I need to write for it are. I'm doing a Code Camp uh, um, project now that we're going to use for the Atlanta Code Camp in October. That's completely open source and getting people to contribute, and and so it's 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 weird to be writing code after years and years of writing code that I needed of doing it in the open, and I, I've I've decided that. Um, I deserve writing better code because other people will see it now. Whereas before, there were some janky hacks in my old blog. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's why I I made my whole career on janky hacks, actually. That's That's what what we had to do back then. Absolutely. We need that domain name.
1: We need jankyhacks.com. All right, hang on. I'll go (laughs) get it right now. Hang on a second. (laughs)
0: That's
1: (laughs) hilarious. hilarious. That's almost a lifestyle right
0: there. Janky hacks. JankyHacks.com. A, you know, you know,
2: you know what's that a similar porn to star Sean? Named what? <laughs>
0: nice, no, that's nice. Hanky Jacks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a club name.
0: JankyHacks.com is available. Oh, you're mine, you baby. Go. Not for long. Nice.
1: You know what this reminds me of is the same way writing a conference session makes you or putting together a book makes you completely think through a technology because you're going to teach it to others. Absolutely. As soon as your code is out in the wild, so it's going to teach others. You feel an obligation to it.
2: Yeah, I, you know there there are a bunch of cases where I was like, "How do I not, you know, put my secret uh, keys and my API keys out out in the wild?" And so you have to think about right. that because when it's and all my web private, config like, file, I can get through with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, when uh, it's okay.
1: when it's only you, forms authentication is fine. When you are going to put it out, the world's like, ah, I better figure this out. <laughs> yeah, <Sometimes>. right.
2: <laughs> My favorite one was uh, uh, I used to I would write an API, and in, uh, cl- in ASP .NET, if you didn't do, jump through some hoops, uh, an error in a web API would return the yellow screen of death. Right, and so there were some things you could do to fix it, um, but I. I in a couple of cases, I didn't fix it. I just searched for the text that I expected in the yellow screen of death to go. Oh, that's an error. Right. So it, because it wasn't returning, you know, a uh, three hundred two uh, a um, bad request or anything, a four hundred error. Mm-hmm. It was actually returning two hundred with HTML, which of course, from my JavaScript, was all uh, expecting JSON, and so I remember writing the hack of if yeah. it's a two hundred and a, html looks like this it's an error because i can't be bothered to actually fix it right there you go hey
0: richard
1: yeah buddy guess what time it is it must be that happy time again
0: yeah it's time to put sean's in my picture up at jankyhacks.com which i now own (laughs) 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 and you think i'm kidding right after this show that's exactly what i'm doing awesome that's actually time to give away a Syncfusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Nice. With over 650 controls, Syncfusion's Essential Studio is the most comprehensive suite of components available for .NET and JavaScript and mobile with world-class diagrams, maps, and charts. Reduce your development time, save some money, and... Get the best support in the industry. These are just a few of the reasons over 800,000 people make Syncfusion a part of their daily dev process. And now individual developers and small teams can get access to every single control in Syncfusion's library for free. The Community License also gives you access to Syncfusion's growing library of enterprise applications like Dashboard Platform and Big Data Platform that can help make sense of complex data. Support and updates are included too. It's a $10,000 value for free. Find out more and get started today at Syncfusion.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Alex Bronfman, Richard. Congratulations, Alex. Golf clap for you, I'll sir. Golf clap for Alex. Alex just won the Sync Fusion Essential Studio. If you don't know what we just did here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .netrocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .net Rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. All right, Sean, your turn. What would you buy with five grand?
2: What would I buy with five grand? Ooh, that uh, that's exciting. I'd probably uh, buy a new MSI laptop. That's about half of that. <laughs> oh, you like those MSI laptops, ah. do you? The the yeah, because they have great gaming um, uh, rigs in it. I use an MSI laptop to to um, power the the Vive. So I actually nice. have uh, it's all portable. If I really wanted to take it someplace. Um, Plus, I feel like you're
1: not paying such a premium for like a brand name. I mean, MSI has been making motherboards and stuff for a long time. But as soon as you look at you know the Alienwares and stuff, I just feel like you're you're paying for a logo. These guys they're really well priced for a loaded machine. Mm -hmm. Loaded, loaded. Loaded with stink on that machine.
2: (laughs) With a modular video card, so you could actually upgrade a video card in a laptop.
1: Well, upgrade a laptop. Period, just seems to have gone by the wayside, right? It right, does. is crazy talk. Yeah, it is crazy talk. Well, <laughs> and uh, there, there you go. the The, the GT 80s Titan is forty four hundred bucks.
2: <laughs>
1: that's a laptop. <laughs>
2: that is a laptop, and I've never been able to justify that. You know, no, top that's, end it's crazy absurd. laptop. Yeah, uh, and I'd probably you know. Throw in a bunch of uh, uh, um, Fallout T-shirts to just fill out the five grand. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the oh, this is no. like uh, the uh, the old version of uh, uh, Wheel of Fortune, right? I'll take the rest of yep. my gift card, please. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right on
1: credit. <laughs> I'll take take the rest of Fallout T-shirts on account. Please.
0: On account, exactly. I don't have no more money. <laughs>
1: It occurs to me that Janky Hack should just point to the Daily WTF,
2: because <laughs> that's
1: you know maybe and that's an old website that's like 2004. But just like every time something really horrible happens in programming, you put it on the Daily WTF.
0: Yeah, I'm going to put Sean and me up there first.
2: It's <laughs> a, a good call. Yeah. Good call. We're good look, a couple look, uh, good looking guys. I think I'm a damn good looking man. Well, this shows one com- of your completely one of your
1: headshots keeps moving and creeping me out. The show's exactly. gone
2: completely off the rails. It has. It always does when I'm on for some reason. It's matter with that? <laughs> it's something. I feel. I feel responsible. Not really. Uh,
1: there, <laughs> no, there must be something we could talk about on ASP.NET Core. Is it? It all just works. Everything's fine.
2: It's not You skip fine.
1: RC2, so you avoided a lot of pain.
0: And what's not fine about it, where do we start?
2: Uh, it's interesting because uh, some of the guys have been, uh, th- there was a change that was accepted in RTM that, that uh, bothered some people. And I, I've hmm. wanted to talk about it. I actually like the idea, but I'll, I'll talk about it as being, you know, uh question for years in mvc or in web api when you wrote a web api uh if you used uh backing classes it would match the case of the backing class so typically pascal case because that's what we use in c sharp they made yep. a decision in uh, rtm actually uh the json.net folks finally um uh Finally made a change in their code, not even in Microsoft to make camel case the default for JSON. Oh my. Nice. Yeah. And so it's breaking a bunch of people. So, uh, the people who never switched over to camel case, because every, uh, most websites put this little shim of code in their startup every time to change it to camel case. People who didn't right. do that now have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <laughs> to switch, to switch okay. it back. So
1: you flip. It's a question of who's outnumbered now, right?
2: Yeah Well I I really believe the, the camel case guys Way outnumber The pascal case guys um, Right But the Unfortunately The guys that uh, Are doing pascal case Not entirely But Some percentage of them Are people who Didn't know they could change it And so they're probably The right. ones least Ready to make that change
1: uh, But it's also a way To get everybody educated Because everybody That made the change To camel Was educated And yeah. now all the ones who aren't Have to be educated Yep <laughs>
2: And there's some people who made the decision, you know, on purpose. But uh, yep. uh I think there's going to be a lot of guys that that are like, "Oh, oh, I mean, it's a pretty simple fix, but it's it's one of those things where you just don't expect it and suddenly all your APIs fail because JavaScript yeah. is no, it's, and case it's, sensitive.
1: We've all had that heartbreaking moment, right? You upgrade, you go to compile, explosion occurs, you're like, "Oh, no." And it, and the error messages never look happy. You know, it's not like this is not a big deal error message. It's always doom and destruction error messages. Yeah. And so now you've got to talk yourself down, much less anybody else.
2: Well, what's awesome about this particular error is you only see it in JavaScript and you only see it as undefined. Nice. It's the JavaScript equivalent of object not found. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Undefined. We're lost. I don't know what you're talking about. So um, I totally buy into the switchover part here, and uh, I'm sure it's upset a few folks. But it doesn't. This is not a disaster, actually. You you add a line of code and you're fixed.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And p- then people understand how to add that line of code. That all the serialization is exposed, uh, right? To people that, that 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 don't understand, it's sort of like uh .NET Core needing dependency injection. People who haven't been using it, it's time for them to learn it. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of not option. We've gone from a
1: cool thing you could do to a productive thing you should do to everybody does this now.
2: Yeah. And everyone should be doing it. uh, You know, if they're going to build maintainable apps.
1: We're all going to be better people because of it.
2: Yes. The only thing that scares me is I was looking at the roadmap the other day and it has web forms on the roadmap, which I hadn't seen before. Really, I did not see yeah. that either. That blew my mind. I'm like, really? I uh, what? <laughs> it's just it's just one line. It said it just says web forms, so I don't know what they mean.
1: Huh. Yeah, and you you mean you don't hang out on each one of their community calls?
2: I have. I I sometimes uh, scan through them quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a ton of them, and they're long. So I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing to keep up with because it really is their conversations about building the product. And it takes time to have that conversation. Yeah,
2: it does. It does. Yeah. Well, the, uh, sometimes I just notice it on Twitter. People will go, Oh my God, did you hear what happened at, you know, at 36 minutes in, uh, I better go look. <laughs> 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 and you listen to
1: 36 minutes You go. I'm going to
2: skip back five minutes and listen to the, how did you get here? Yeah. How did you get there? And, uh, you know, or even on the Slack channel, people are like, Oh, they say they're going to make this big change. Didn't weren't you on the Slack channel earlier? There's no way I can keep up with all that.
1: No, it's too much.
2: Yeah. Not if I'm going to ever finish fallout Four.
1: Right. Let's just embrace (laughs) reality, right? It's, it's unfinishable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So you know that's just that's sort of been uh, uh, my life lately. Is that uh, you know staying deep within uh, uh, all the ASP .NET core stuff and talking a lot about uh, the podcast. There, uh, the I don't know whether we've mentioned this on the show before, but my podcast is going to end at a hundred episodes.
0: Yeah, you told me about this. You're just that's that's it, which is cool.
2: Yeah, in fact, R- Richard. You interviewed me for the 100th show already.
1: I did. Accidentally, I guess. We were in a situation where you were doing a stop in Vancouver and there was a problem with your guests. And I've already been on the show. I suggested doing something else. And then uh, uh, I I said, you know, I could just interview you. And you already had a plan. I had no idea you had a plan.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I stole it away. And I think it's actually the backdrop to your podcast now is that conversation between you and me.
2: It is. It is. Yeah, That's cool. No, we got a really good picture That's of that. Yeah, it's it's uh it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, doing a documentary about developers once the 100th episode is done, like film and everything. Me. going to be in. Yeah. Um cuz there's it's, some there's interesting stories about, you know, the uh the switch from it being almost an entirely a woman dominated industry to mm, what we have yeah. now, which is to male-dominated, and and what happened? It's, it's, a, it's a question I want to figure out an answer to.
1: Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting story. Uh, um, Uncle Bob, Bob Martin, yeah, t- yeah. because because he's, you know, one of the few people in the world that's been in longer than all of us. Right. Uh, right. You know, he remembers coming into it as a woman-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then in the 80s, there's just this downturn, right? I think it's as much a cultural thing as anything else. It just... Essentially, drove women out of the business.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it was a a whole culture of this is what it looked like to be a computer person, and it was a an awkward, pale, pudgy guy. Mm. Which you know, for then we started paying for me. I'm lucky because that's what I look like, but.
1: It's oh, too funny, but it's got to even be been doing a, a challenge, doing a hundred of these podcasts because you've got maybe a dozen women you've interviewed.
2: Yeah, uh, we've got two more on the uh, on the slate, so we'll have maybe fifteen or uh, almost twenty percent women by the time we're done. Because uh, uh, we've we I've tried to go after the non typical story where I can find it, but uh, sometimes. Right. Uh, I think part of it is this bias of sometimes women are afraid to be, you know, to sort of talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Kathleen Dollard is about the most difficult person to get on the podcast I've had. I had to talk talk to her about it every week for like three months, and she finally finally agreed, which normally Kathleen is not a person that, you know, is shy, but for some reason she she, was concerned uh that she was going to sound she loves to talk about
1: technology but she may not love to talk about herself Mm. right exactly
2: and uh, you know the my the podcast is all about yourself it's not about you know right the ones and zeros it's about motivations and all that
1: so yeah i can totally see why why certain people would resist that it'd be very challenging
2: yeah it's 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 scared uh uh, some people because i'm like you know some people have tried to hide the fact that, you know, maybe they don't have a degree or maybe their degree isn't in software and they think that people are going to think about them in certain ways about it. Whereas, of course, the reverse is true, but... um, uh, And I'm looking at the 70
1: you've published and I know most of these people and I'm like thinking maybe five of them have a commsci degree. Hmm.
2: Yeah, probably. That's about yeah. right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, probably half of them have degrees, but... Very few, of them yeah, are in, but they're in other things,
1: design. you know. Yeah. This is an immature industry. Some of the best programmers i ever met were electrical engineers. You yeah. know, it's a way of thinking. It's not. It's not a vocation per se. No,
2: no. I mean, I think that's what really changes the whole idea here is that uh, you know I don't think that uh, I don't think that software is something that can be taught. There's a lot of skills around it, but there's a certain a way the brain works that that works really well in software and you can't just force it because you think you know oh this is where money is or this is where security is or whatever it is you're looking for mm. um you have to have that whatever that that thing is in your brain that you'd love to solve the puzzle and that the puzzle doesn't uh it, when you can't solve it that you're able to look at it in, you know in different ways and and even be able to walk away from it in order to solve the puzzle, which, which right. for me is, you know, p- pounding at the problem it often isn't the best way to solve it for me. Yeah.
1: yeah there, you know, I'm, a, I always fall firmly on the software engineering perspective, but I think, sure. the, you know, the creative element is that I need to go clear my head and think, you know, broadly about the best solution to this engineering
2: problem. Yeah. Well, I, I, I talk about it as what I call the house moment. Uh, if anyone watched the show House, it was, you know, a bit repetitive and all that. But I loved it because there's a moment in every episode where he went and did something else and then realized the solution to the medical problem. And and that's what happens to right. me in software. As soon as I walk away, I have that moment of epiphany. I'm like, oh, that's why it doesn't work. Or this is the best way to do it. Or why am I trying to, you know, round peg and square hole? Let me approach it in a different way. It's those moments right. of in the shower or playing pool or playing guitar or playing fallout, for that matter, that, that, you know, is where the magic happens. It's not just in the, you know, writing the lines of code. It's usually never there. And You know, there is a piece there. I, I've almost giving
1: yourself over to the problem or giving yourself over to the solution sense. I mean, how often have we fought a tool? you know trying to adapt i've seen this happen brutally with spas you're wrestling the tool to the ground to try and build the page the way you want to rather than sort of learning from the tool and its tendencies so that it so that when you think the way that it thinks it just comes out absolutely
2: absolutely uh, trying to apply what you think you did in these 30 these other 10 projects into a new technology and you're like oh i have to i have to approach it differently um Reactive. It's almost like like thinking
1: you could do translation just by substituting words. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Why wouldn't that work,
1: actually? Why Uh, isn't that working? Why isn't that working?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then you, you know, when someone wants to go to a cafe and you translate it to coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And on and on and on too funny so when do we expect show 100
2: uh probably just after the first of the year we're publishing about one a week though like this week we're, we're skipping one because it's on the fourth of july we we publish on mondays so we're going to skip a week right. this week and uh so it's going to be i think around the middle of january is when all the numbers line up it'll be done and then it's just an archive because we have like okay. uh we have eighty some in the can, so we have about eighteen left to record to find, nice. you know, guests and such. So we're uh, uh, taking uh, suggestions from the community if they have someone that they really want to, uh, you know, hear from, or maybe with enough people tweeting about it, uh, we yep. can get people like Mark Resinovich to actually agree to be on the show.
1: Did cool, I say that out loud?
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's say he's a guy
1: with a calm side degree too.
2: Yeah, yeah, well,
1: you, yeah, You got Guthrie, which is not an easy
2: get either. He's a busy man. No, I got very lucky. I got very lucky with Guthrie. And the uh, show coming up in a couple of weeks from uh, um, uh, Miguel de Acasa is, is, is really Another good. very challenging get. Yeah. And he's so yeah. brilliant. It's just stunning how brilliant that man is. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And we talk all about his history of open source, which is now that he's a blue badge, is a very interesting story.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, I, I can't wait to see. You know, you think about Dia Casa and Guthrie collaborating on a problem. Like oh that, yeah. That to me, yeah. Who's who knows what's going to happen the next couple of years? Just in terms it's of. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, they talk about a guy who you know believed in C Sharp back in the dark times.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, before many in Microsoft believed in it.
1: Yeah, when we yeah. were thought we were, thought we were going to turn away from it.
2: Yeah. Hey, Richard, isn't somebody from Google speaking at
1: Dev Intersection this fall? Yeah, absolutely. On the on the web track, Jules Kremer, who is part of Google, is going um, – and, you know, one of the people heavily involved with Angular 2 is giving a keynote with Brad Green talking about that sort of vision. And, and it's funny, you know, people talk about Google and, and Microsoft being enemies, and yet Angular is built in TypeScript, which is a – microsoft language for you know building reliable javascript so, so cool yeah jules kremer is going to be uh, a, a a keynoter at dev intersection the last week of october in vegas awesome
0: yeah i'm, I'm glad i brought that up um sean what's next for you what do you now that you're home and all happy and recovering and you're gonna just gonna uh, continue to work on this stuff
2: I have absolutely no idea. That's my uh, goal. The next month is to figure out what next for me. There's probably a new plural site uh, course will come up soon, and I might start a startup. I might actually do this documentary film. I I don't know. <laughs> well, when you figure it out, let us know. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if you're not doing anything the week, uh, what is it? Next weekend, July ninth. Uh, the Franklin Brothers are headlining Sailfest Which is our big fireworks festival here in New London And we're playing right before and after the fireworks And Rocky Latka is going to be here Hanging out Nice He's going to come up and see the band
2: We saw you when we were on the road trip And you guys rocked it It was amazing Yeah, we're, we're getting pretty hot these days And if
0: you want to see the band uh, FranklinBrothersBand.com There's videos and stuff too Alright, I think that's a show I think so Yeah. A little all over the place, but, you know, what else is new? Yeah, it's always great talking to you, Sean. Awesome. All right, and we'll see you next time on Rocks.